Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the pre-crisis DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. And you join us when we've reached the 19th of March, 1968, which is about a week before my parents got married, more or less, which is quite a nice thought. This week we're doing issue four of The Spectre. It's another Neil Adams cover. It's our seventh Neil Adams cover. Yeah, hey. Keeping tally and stuff. And Pete's going to tell us all about it. We have a cosmic purplish background. Mm. The Spectre logo at the top. And in the background of the cover, we have a strange gladiator looking character with a cape and some metal gauntlets and a strange horned helmet with a big fin. And he's punching the spectre. He's basically backhanding him across yes. the face, which is the not nice. The spectre does not look happy. No. I wouldn't be happy if this guy punched me. Of course not. And in the foreground of the panel, we have the earth. But around the earth, we have a child, a giant child who's looking at it maniacally. And he has hands poised over it. He's glaring at it. Check shirt and jeans, just your normal sort of kid off the street. The globe is positioned, so we're looking down in the, the Americas, essentially. I wonder. Yes. There's a caption, of course, that says, Stop that kid before he wrecks the world. Yeah, because it does look so the spectre is trying to reach towards the boy and mm-hmm. uh, the, the guy in the helmet is trying to stop him. Interesting. Yes, all go. So, yep, issue four of the spectre's ongoing series. Yes. Enjoyed the other ones so far. Let's see how we got on with this. Mm-hmm. Straight into it. The spectre, the only member of the Justice side of America to get an ongoing book in the Silver Age. So... Story and art by Neil Adams, a tiny caption box tells us when we yes. start. So that's very Fascinating. interesting. Fascinating. Let's see how this goes. We have an opening caption for the first panel. And the opening caption says, The heart of Hamilton Benedict swelled with pride last evening as he walked the last mile to his home. Three largemouth bass hung at his back, a better catch than he had all summer. His steps faltered only slightly when he heard the high-pitched screaming whine far, far behind him. He turned his head and saw it low in the sky. It seemed to be coming at him. Yep, very helpful. Long-winded CBC caption from Mr. Neil Adams there. We see a little Hamilton Benedict. Blonde kid, I would say he's about 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Blue jeans, wearing chucks and orange shirt tucked in as he's fishing rod in his left hand, bag over his other shoulder, the the fish that Pete just described. Screaming down from the sky. It looks like a comet. Screeling, wheeling E. And the next panel collides with him. Burst of flame and a caption that says, A freak accident, a tragedy, or perhaps neither of these. Perhaps yesterday when this happened is not important. Perhaps it is today that is important. Important to the world and important to the spectre. With a massive caption that says, Stop, Stop that, that kid, kid before, before he wrecks, wrecks the world. world. Tremendous. Right, here we go. First caption to the first panel on page two says, Early next morning, in a small wooded area, a smouldering fire is burning out. Yep, that's what we see. And then in the caption for panel two says, 10am this morning, Detective Captain Jim Corrigan receives a phone call from the Bureau of Missing Persons. Yep, see Jim Corrigan at his desk, with the receiver up to his gob, old-fashioned landline, and he's saying, A boy, uh-huh. Now look, Fred, missing persons isn't exactly up my alley. Why the devil did you call me on this? In the next panel... It's a policeman at a desk. A couple of folk having a conversation in front of him, but they're not important. The policeman at the desk on the phone says, Well, I thought you might like to be in on this one because it's such a strange case. I mean, the circumstances are strange. 
Let me brief you. Okay, and the briefing is taking place, because in panel four, close up a gem on the phone saying, And no trace of the boy was found, nor any trace of the meteor either. Okay, Fred, I'll be down in five minutes. As Corrigan hangs up, a TV news bulletin blares out, prompting the detective's alter ego, the Spectre, to burst out of his body. Yep, that's what we see. Spectre emerging from Jim. Television's on in the background, showing a tornado. And the TV narration says, The unseasonal tornado struck without warning at nine o'clock this morning. These first film clips show only a smattering of the violence now being caused. Cities all along the river are in danger if the twister continues on its present course. Spectre leaps into action at the top of page three now, saying, That tornado is even stranger than your missing persons thing, Jim. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to investigate it. See you later. With that, the Spectre phases through the wall. Jim says, Right, Spectre. The boy probably just ran away. I'll have this wrapped up before dinner. Instants later, the Spectre surveys the scene of the disaster. Yep, see the Spectre flying down. We can see the tornado twister out at sea, actually. There's a small town on the beach in front of him that we can see. High waves. Lots going on. The Spectre points at it and says, This makes even less sense now. Atmospheric conditions aren't right for a tornado, yet there it is. And it's about to sweep away that small town. There's a tidal wave coming in now. Got to stop it! With an amazing display of psychic energy, the ghostly guardian enlarges the grains of sand at the water's edge to form a barrier against the pounding surf. This is good news. Captions are doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting here. That's exactly what we see. It's the spectre's gestured and the sand grains have swollen to... It's, it's almost like a close-up of the thing. It is, yeah. It's very, very effective. There's a massive vroom sound effect as the, the water collides with the barrier the, the spectre has created. And the spectre hovers above thinking... That should hold it. Can't go on fighting the tornado like this. I'll have to get it at the source. <laughs> this is a great panel. The Spectre has taken a deep breath and his body is swollen up like a giant bubble, like Bouncing Boy. Oh, yes. Or that lad that Robbie turned into in that other Dial H for Heroes story yes. did that. I can't remember his name. Balloon Boy. Boy. That was yes. it, of course. So Spectre's obviously sucking up huge amounts of air and then he expels it, massive gust, and he's thinking... If I can just draw the wind that's circling in this direction and blow it back against itself... Dot, dot, dot. And then the first panel, page four, shows the spectre <laughs> reducing to his, reduced to his normal size and expelling the air. He's sucked up and he's thinking, That seems to be doing it. But I sense that something very unnatural is behind this. Maybe I can track it down. Changing his body into pure energy, the Astral Avenger is drawn like a magnet along a fading pathway. Yeah, an interesting panel here, basically showing the Spectre being drawn along like a big beam of light almost, isn't it? Mm-hmm. As he is drawn along, the Spectre is thinking, The trail's here, and although faint, it's not difficult to follow. So then he ends up over a farm area, by the looks of things. There's a big cloud up in the sky, radiating sort of pink energy down. And the Spectre has a look at what's going on, and he thinks, Locusts! A plague! And that's what we see. Lots of giant locusts eating the corn that's in front. It's quite alarming, actually. Mm. Spectre continues, But the size of them, at least four times normal. And there's my quarry. Someone or something inside that dark cloud is guiding them. First the locusts, then you, my cloud-shrouded quarry. Rising swiftly towards space, the Spectre's body expands until... This panel shows him flying up, and yes, it's a process of just growing larger as he does so. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking, ah, outside the atmosphere, and I'll soon be as large as the Earth itself. This is cracking on, isn't it? Mm. Taking no prisoners, continued in second page following. 
Right, so there's some great, very visual storytelling going on here now at the top of page five. First panel, Spectre sort of gesturing with his hands and it looks like he's creating a beam, a little tube almost of, of light between them. And he's thinking, all I have to do is solidify the edges of my astral cylinder. Then, like a greenskeeper, I can safely remove the divot of air and expose the locusts to the vacuum of space. Yeah, and we can see in the first of this little sequence of panels that he's trapping the locusts in this little tube that he's generated and then he's drawing it upwards. Third panel at the top of page five is very effective because it sort of shows the spectre almost like there's a, there's a shell around the earth and he's yeah. sort of leaning on it. Mm -hmm. He's gone translucent, just completely clear. This is stunning, actually. Mm -hmm. And he's drawing this little tube that has got the locusts up in its base. And he's thinking, now that I've eliminated the plague, I need to replace my divot of air and remove the force field with no harm done. That's very considerate of you, Spectre. Yes, uh -huh. That's how you do some gardening. Yes, right. With your astral cylinder. Mm. Awesome. Right, so the caption of the next panel. The danger passed. The Grim Guardian zooms down to the dark, ominous cloud as it begins to move away. Yep, see what you see. Spectre flying down towards the cloud is thinking, Before I barge into that cloud of evil, I'd better see if I can get a closer look at what I'll be tackling. And in the next panel, there's a close-up of the Spectre as he reacts violently and yells, What? Moments later, miles away. Yep, down on the ground, we see Jim Corrigan looking very spiffing in a purple suit. A couple of people, man and a woman. Turns out they're the parents of the child that we met at the start. Jim's in the process of saying, Mr. Benedict, because of the unusual conditions surrounding your son's disappearance, I'd like to call in a rather special investigator who may be able to deal with this more directly. Mr. Benedict replies, Of course, Mr. Corrigan, whatever you think best. Ben, look, look, exclaims Mrs. Benedict, because in the corner, in a twisting, turning sort of burst of yellow light, we see the specs appearing. Very interesting. Top of page six. The spectacular entrance of the spectre has an unnerving effect on the Benedict. Yes, because Mr. Benedict has drawn up the shotgun that he was carrying in the previous panel, and he's pointing at the spectre, and he says, Emmy, get back here behind me. It's some kind of spook or spaceman or something. Jim moves to reassure Mr. Benedict, saying, No, no, Mr. Benedict. That's the uh, special investigator I was talking about before. We call him the spectre. Uh, spectre, I'd like to talk to you. Over there. So Jim and Spectre move away in the next panel to have a little conversation. Jim says, Don't know how you knew I was about to call on you, but this case literally screams out for your talents. This boy, Spectre interrupts him, saying, This Benedict boy, you mean, is no longer missing. And unfortunately, that fact only complicates your problem and mine. After recounting the events leading up to the present moment, the Spectre lets his alter ego in on the shocker. I like this panel of the Spectre sitting floating, cross-legged in front of Jim. Spectre's saying, as my vision penetrated the cloud, I could clearly see a small boy. The boy who I believe is your missing Hamilton Benedict. Jim replies, And you just left him there? Why in blazes didn't you get him out? An angry-looking spectre replies, Easy, Jim. I don't know the nature of the forces involved here. I can't tell whether the boy is in control or some power controls him. With his parents' help, perhaps I can find out. Good enough. Let's talk to them. Corrigan. Caption for the next panel. Mr. and Mrs. Benedict quickly agree to help the Spectre, and soon... Soon, they're flying through the sky. The Spectre's generated a little platform for Jim and the Benedicts. Very Green Lantern style -y. Very much so. It's yeah. even coloured green. Yeah, and they're, they're flying along, and the Spectre observes... Before I left the boy, I surrounded him with a complicated psychokinetic force field. He's just breaking through now. And we see Hamilton at the front of the panel, surrounded in this sort of golden aura, and with a thrump sound effect, he's trying to break free from it. Mrs. Benedict cries, Oh yes, 
Yes, that's our Hamilton! Caption for the first panel on page 7 then says, According to the Spectre's plan, he projects Mrs. Benedict closer to her son. Yes, Mr. Benedict and Jim still stand on the platform. and can see a little burst of green energy coming from the Spectre as he essentially floats Mrs. Benedict out in front of him. Mrs. Benedict says to her son, Hamilton, what's happened to you? Come to mother! And then Hamilton replies, Ridiculous old woman, I'll show her! And then we get a helpful see what you see caption. Instantly, the boy hurls an eerie energy bolt at the distraught woman. Yeah, there's a massive scratch sound effect. Very effective looking. It's going to be a nightmare picking out panels from this, <laughs> isn't it? The way it's, it's all diagonally split up on this yep. page. It's very effective. It's very dynamic. This burst of energy, black and gold energy, strikes it at Mrs. Benedict. But helpfully, the spectre has surrounded her in a bit of a force field type thing. She exclaims, oh, Hamilton! And the spectre helpfully thinks... Good thing I projected that invisible force field around her. It's not that invisible. It looks like a Green Lantern power bubble, <laughs> but not to worry. In the next panel, they're all down on the ground again. Mr. and Mrs. Benedict sort of consoling each other. Jim's standing in the background with his hands in his pockets, looking a bit concerned. And Spectre is standing in front of them all, saying, It's obvious now that some destructive force is controlling your son. I anticipate little trouble driving it out of him. Don't worry, I'll have your son back to you shortly. And Spectre flies off in the final panel of page 7, thinking... I wish I understood more about the boy's controlling force. Perhaps I will, after I remove it. And then so, panel for page 8, there's a shot of the spectre blasting at Hamilton, who is screaming, Ah, it hurts! It hurts! Stop! Yes. Stop! It's like he's surrounded by a sort of red, pink and black aura, and there's almost like a duplicate version of Hamilton sort of appearing. It looks kind of like he's been split in two, but the spectre observes, Good grief! I'm drawing the boy's own life force from him! Must replace it quickly. A tiny caption says, Continued in fourth page following. We passed the direct currents for that issue, which features Doom Patrol and Plastic Man. We passed a Cap's Hobby Hints. We passed a full page advertisement for Superboy 147, which I still don't have if any listeners want to buy me a copy. And at top of page nine, we have a caption box that says, Quickly replacing Hamilton Benedict's life force, a puzzled spectre returns to the boy's parents. Visibly shaken, he's suddenly becoming aware of the true danger of the World Eater. Eater. Yes, massive text there of World Eater. Setting things up. So this first panel, you can see Hamilton up in the air, looking as if he's in a bit of pain. Mr. and Mrs. Benedict, at the front of the panel, Mr. Benedict's fist is shaking with rage, and he yells at the spectre. What did you do? You said you wouldn't hurt him. What did you do to our son, you spook? I, I'm sorry, Mr. Benedict. Somehow, whatever power controls him has fused itself with your son's life force, and I can't eject it without... Well, your boy might not survive, Mrs. Benedict says. But what can we do? How long will he be like this? Spectre replies. I don't know. We're dealing with mysterious forces that... Well, I'll just have to keep my eye on him and see what develops. In the background of the panel, Jim Corrigan has been looking up at the sky, remarks. Speck! The kid took off. And so the spectre flies after him in the final panel of page 9, leaving Mr. and Mrs. Benedict hugging in the foreground of the panel and Mrs. Benedict saying, Sob, oh Ben, Ben, what's happening to our son? So his name's Benjamin Benedict. Someone hasn't thought that through, have they? No. (laughs) Oh well. Yeah, it's almost like naming your child after a famous politician. (laughs) You know, no one thinks of the consequences. Well, yes. What can you say? (laughs) Anyway, now, so top of page 11. Soon, Hamilton again displays his power. 
Hovering over a dam, he projects a negative zone of energy. Hamilton is gesturing with his right hand, pointing with his finger, and a little burst of golden energy is coming out towards him and striking this dam that's in front of him. Spectre has flown by and thinks, Up to more mischief. And the child says, What are you going to do about that, Spectre? And then over a sequence of four panels, the bottom left-hand corner of page 10, the Spectre gets in the road, gestures with some little bursts of pink energy, and repairs the damage that was starting to appear in the dam. And as he does so, he thinks, A simple positive zone of energy should cancel out that negative zone. <laughs> the negative zone. Interesting. Yes. Um, it's podcast debut. Yes, and Spectre continues to think, and now to regress the time cycle of the cement before it was cracked. That's a phrase I never thought to see when I got up this morning. <laughs> However, in the next panel that rounds out page 10, we can see indeed Hamilton has been up to some more mischief while the Spectre's been doing that. The Spectre observes, Tricky kid, this was a diversion. He's located a meteor shower and somehow, yes, somehow, is protecting the meteors from burning in the atmosphere. So we can see in the background Hamilton is gesturing up Again, another big burst of golden energy coming from his hands mm -hmm. and rocks are falling from the sky to sort of be contained in this burst of energy. The spectre continues, They'll hit that city like bombs. Only brief moments too. So, top page 11 now, in the first panel, the spectre thinks, His shield is good only for air. By bringing those clouds over here and condensing them into a thin, flat lake. Yes, it's great. We can see as the meteors start to fall in the first panel, Hamilton is sort of diving, swimming almost through the air in front of it. Spectre starts to draw these clouds over in the next panel with a, an array of whoosh, sproom, whoosh, sproosh, whoosh, broom, sproom, swash sound effects. He's created a lake in midair that the meteors are all colliding with. And the Spectre's thinking, Hitting the water at that speed is like hitting a solid wall. Ah, they're exploding. That's very effective. That's a great image. Then the caption for the panel three of this page. Shortly on the ground. And we see a man with a hat and a bow tie. He looks slightly disbelieving of what's going on and he says, Man, would you believe this? Rain is supposed to wash the suit out of the air. Now it's bringing down the suit with it. When are they going to do something about the air pollution? Very topical. Very yes, topical. Some things never change. Because <laughs> as we record, COP26 is happening. I have to go and collect my new ID badge in a little while once we finish our citizens. There we go. In the background of this man in the hat, there's a very translucent, thin image of the spectre sort of hovering over who thinks It worked. But how long can I keep this up? The next panel very helpfully the spectre thinks about what he's doing I'm going to have to get to the source of this evil. As a precautionary measure, I'll separate my powers and myself in two and send one half to investigate. And indeed as you see the spectre dividing one half flying forwards and the other zooming off to go in another direction. Page 11 concludes with a shot of the spectre observing a sort of golden energy trail that's flying through there and up into the sky and he's thinking here it is again that faint trail going into space let's see where it leads to we arrive at the top of page 12 now and the first caption of the first panel says through the trackless wastes of space the supernatural sleuth traces the line of evil to its origin through teeming galaxies and through the shards of space spectre travels until this is great i mean this panel is almost like a cosmic murphy anderson panel but just mm. drawn by neil adams yeah isn't it it's almost yeah. like neil how would you interpret that and that's what he's done yep spectre's out in space there's a big moon in front of him there's a planet in front of him there's mm -hmm. lots of clouds and stars and stuff all around we can see the golden trail the spectre followed in the previous page drifting past and down towards the surface of the planets in front of him and he's thinking that planet, covered with the same emanations I've been following. The evil I sense is so raw, 
but I must go down, closer. Now, what sort of key phrase sprung to your mind when you first saw this panel, Peter? It's kind of very War of the Worlds, eh? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I thought. It's quite unlike anything we've had before. It's almost like the, the equipment and, and detailing and stuff that we saw in the you know the Guy Gardner debut story yes. recently, but uh-huh. just to another level. Mm. Neil Adams' art is just stunning. You can't say realistic, but that's the best one for it. It just gives it a whole other sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's almost like a realised form of some more cartoony machines. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's you know If the first panelist page is like Neil redoing Murphy Anderson, this yeah. could be almost be Neil doing Gil Kane. So what we have, there's sort of... A big blue sort of tank thing on the ground, and a little, another couple of other little blue devices flying around, and there's a couple of red, big long-legged automatons with cannons firing out, which, you know, obviously, it looks like there's a war going on. It's heavy robo-carnage. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There's smoke and steam and clouds all over the place, energy blasts firing around. And suspect looks at all this, he's thinking, Fantastic. I'm witnessing the last horrible gasps of a world turn thoroughly evil. The last remaining machines of war still battle on like scavengers in a desert. There is no good, no last vestige of good left in the world to build from. Once these battles end, it will be centuries before the shattered remnants of this world can again rebuild on these ashes of chaos. Caption for the first panel then on page 13. At a critical moment, Spectre's supernatural senses warn him. Yeah, a little gold flyer has appeared in front of the Spectre with a zat! fires a burst of energy at him. Spectre thinks, that, that weapon, it weakened me somehow, and it wasn't even a direct hit. The aura of evil in this world fills even the weapons of its last inhabitants. Can't maintain contact. And we have a tiny caption box that says, Can't maintain contact with my other self is what the ethereal detective means, and how important is this broken contact? Gosh. The next panel. See a translucent spectre flying away from a couple of these vehicles that are pursuing him, and he's thinking, More of them coming, and I'm only at half strength. My head's still ringing. I'll try simple invisibility and flight. But then there's a few zat, zat, zat sound effects of the next panel as they all fire on the spectre again, and he falls down thinking, No good. The detection devices are too sophisticated, taking too much of a battering. Only one thing left to do. Caption for the final panel, this final awesome panel of page 13, says... Suddenly out of the void, a raging nightmare hurls itself at the demonic machines. Yeah, like, wow. <laughs> it's like a giant dragon, isn't it? Yeah. There's a claws. It looks like it's got three eyes on either side of its head. Mm. Massive sharp teeth. And it's firing fire out of its mouth at some of these flying machines that have been attacking the spectre. There's a massive... Yow! Sound effect. This is next level. Mm. I mean, these two pages are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Compare them to anything else that we've done recently. This is unbelievable. So over the page then to page 14 in the first panel, the Spectre is thinking, They'll soon discover that they've been chased by an hallucination, but by then it'll be long gone. Yeah, we see the dragon is starting to fade out, so that's what it was. The dragon wasn't there. It was an illusion cast by the Spectre to scare off the, the machines and the flying ships that were chasing him. So the caption then for the next panel. Even as Spectre leaves the surface of the exclusively evil world, he partially recovers his strength. Yes. Another cosmic panel. Spectre's flown away, but he's still following the trail, and he's thinking, That trail, eons old. This world was not the origin of the menace that now threatens Earth. Must keep following it. This puzzle is no more clear to me now than when I left Earth. Gosh. Okay, so there's a little sequence of three panels that follows, and a caption for them all that says, Again and again, 
The trail Spectre follows leads to repeated disasters of worlds gone wrong, planets and civilizations thrown back into savagery, or completely destroyed. All the result of what seems to be a... The Spectre thinks, plague of evil. As he flies over one world, just looking down at the, the wrecked landscape beneath him. How could such a thing come about? A second panel of this little sequence, you can see the spectre flying above what looks like a couple of sort of primitive cavemen types that are attacking each other with clubs. The spectre thinks, Each civilization was healthy, strong, and for the most part, at peace. In the final panel, he's looking down at a massive crater on the surface of one of the planets. I suppose there's an implication there. And he thinks, It's as if these planets were invaded. Actually invaded by evil. Then, in the calmness of space... Spectre flying alone, thinking to himself, Could that be it? Could this force, for some reason, travel from planet to planet, infecting? Could Hamilton Benedict be the first example of this thing's infection? And why a small boy? The end to this puzzle must be back on Earth! And uh, one panel we get on page 15, it's like, it's like he's doing a big zigzag through a big cosmic... Yep. So background, there's a moon, there's some rings surrounding the moon. You know, very, very pretty. As he flies along, he's thinking, Assuming, of course, that I still have an Earth to get back to. I haven't been able to re-establish contact with my other self since I received that first blow hours ago. But I mustn't think of that until I get back. And a tiny caption says, Continued in third page following. And the rest of the page is taken up with an advertisement for Angel and the Ape. Yes. Who are they? What are they? Angel and the Ape. Illustrate a little halo and a banana. Mm-hmm. Did they have their own book were they just in showcase? They had their own book as well, right. yeah. And also they've had a miniseries afterwards, which the Green Glob, who we referred to in a previous episode, ah, appeared in. Interesting. Yes. I must have had one issue at some point, I'm sure. I had a phase when I, there was one year that like, I tried to buy an issue of as many different DC comics as possible. Mm-hmm. As you do. As you do. And mm-hmm. obviously I've got rid of a lot of them since because I was a dafty. Oh well. And of course they will appear in Showcase 100 when we cover ah. that. Yes, so look out, listeners, see if you can guess who's going to play the angel and who's going to play the ape when we get to showcase <laughs> issue 100. Will it be an all-star special with lots of guest stars? I don't know, possibly. Either that or will we have to have lots of lozenges to get through it? One of the two. Yep, I think it'll be a lot of, it'll probably be a bit of both, hopefully. Anyway, so we arrive then on page 16. First panel, it looks very much like the sort of Golden Gate Bridge from mm. San, San mm-hmm. Francisco, I suppose. Um, massive big iron bridge, you know, suspension bridge. The establishing caption says, When the spectral sleuth divided himself in two and sent half his ego into space, he hoped his remaining half was enough to hold his foe at bay until he could once again re-establish himself. And although the combat increased in ferocity, the spectre seemed to hold his own until... Gosh, that did a lot of lifting. Definitely it feels like there's a scene missing mm-hmm. at that point, doesn't it? Yeah, so the kid is firing a burst of golden energy down onto the bridge. Spectre is firing something back at him, and the Spectre is thinking, If I hurl a little extra anti-energy at his antimatter, I'll not only save the bridge, but I'll also throw him off balance long enough to give me a breather. For some reason, I feel like a hassled babysitter. Uh-uh, I've lost contact with my other self. Must be trouble at the other end. It's obviously when the other Spectre was getting zapped. I've noticed the Spectre seems a bit more casual in his language. Uh-huh. Do you notice that too? Yeah, things like good grief. Spectre wouldn't say good grief. That yeah, was earlier on. And he's, he's using contractions like don't and can't, mm-hmm. which I don't think he would have done before. Yeah. Interesting, obviously, change in style of the script there. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And the rest of page 16 is taken up with a big close-up of a maniacal-looking Hamilton Benedict 
as he yells at the spectre. <laughs> Did you think I didn't know that happened, spectre? You're at half strength now and you're not in touch with your other self. I'm going to see to it that you never again regain contact. I will destroy you before your other half can return to tell you why you're going to be destroyed. Now feel the, the power, power of, of evil. evil. Very lurid. It's even more lurid. The next page, the caption for the first panel on page 17 says, The mood of the battle suddenly changes. The evil presence turns the full force of his energy on the Grim Avenger. Hamilton exclaims, First, the living lightning. And with a Zakao, he fires a burst of energy at the Spectre. Spectre zooms out the way, thinking, Astral bolts from the non-universe. The non-universe? What? Mm. He controls more than physical things. Homing in on me. Drawn like a magnet. And we see indeed that the burst of energy that Hamilton has fired has sort of taken on a sort of nebulous, globular sort of shape and seems to be directing itself up towards the spectre. A bit like the way Dark Sides of Mega Beams kind of like turn corners, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And panel two, page 17, spectre's flying away from him. He's been followed by three of these beams, but there's a little sort of tendril emanating from the spectre towards a little porthole that's appearing in the sky. The spectre's thinking, must reach into the astral world, draw out something to absorb the lightning. Aha! I have it. Now, if I can mould it into the proper shape. And he continues to think in the next panel, very helpfully telling us what's going on. This lightning rod should do it. Now, why did he use such an easy weapon to counter? He must know I can make use of the astral world too. Caption for the next panel. Spectre's question is answered an instant later when... With an oof! Spectre recoils as Hamilton basically flies up and headbutts him in the stomach. Hamilton says, <laughs> Fool, you positioned yourself perfectly. Now we'll fight in my background, the astral plane. Yes, as he headbutts the spectre, and the spectre falls backwards into the portal he's created so that they fall backwards into the astral plane. He knew what he was doing all along. Mm. The caption for the final panel on page 17. Across the gulf of havoc-ridden time and space, a small boy faces the spectre, protector of Earth and guardian of the good in man. This is amazing. Hamilton Spectre against a black and white spiral. Like a hypnodisc. Yeah, exactly. It's, this is this is stunning. This is so good. A feast. Hamilton is saying, Here the forces of evil run alongside the forces of good with no mind to guide them until now. What is it you want? Remove yourself from that child so that I may see and fight you for whatever prize it is you are determined to possess. Top of page 18. First captions, first panel says, then from an unreal world is created a threat born in a real world. <laughs> Gosh, this is mental. Uh, Hamilton is saying, Ha <laughs> never. I can offer more interesting foes to fight than small boys, however. Yep, and he's gesturing and flying down towards, well, the spectre thinks, No dragons or monsters from this character. Because what Hamilton has done, has created, and well, he's gesturing in front of the spectre, as the spectre thinks, An aircraft carrier. And you can bet I can be hurt by its weapons. Again, very casual dialogue from the Spectre. Mm -hmm. There's an aircraft carrier <laughs> of course. floating in the void in front of them. It's the with, first thing I would think of. Course. Of course. Maybe the, the imagination of the of the child is influencing the mm. whatever it is that's got a hold of them. Mm -hmm. Little red single flyer aeroplanes are flying up from this aircraft carrier towards the Spectre. The caption for panel two says, Like banshees, spectral supersonic jets, pilotless, Zoom through chaos to hurl energy blasts at Spectre. This is stunning. It's like the aircraft carrier is floating in midair. Spectre's flying down and away from it. One of the little red flyers is just firing at him and bursts of, looks like little golden rock or fire, are just bursting through the, the Spectre's chest. The Spectre thinks, 
must rearrange my essence. And he gets zapped and he thinks, ah, just in time, but I still felt it. Gosh, caption for the final panel of page 18. Again and again, the sinister shapes hurl their hoary destruction. Yeah, this is almost like a panel from a war comic. Mm, yes, yeah. This will definitely be going in the socials, I imagine. There's a, la- a massive blarm sound effect as the spectre seems to be getting struck by these little aeroplanes. This dynamic panel, he's thinking, Rockets! Got my shield up just in time. How do I fight them? More etheric planes? Monsters? I have it! Yeah, we can see there's a little halo surrounding the spectre, a little protective, buzzy halo, as the explosions go off around them, protect him. So, top of page 19 now, the caption for the first panel. Ignoring the planes, spectre fashions a mine and hurls himself toward the aircraft carrier. Helpful CBC caption from Mr. Adams. Yes, this is trippy as heck. The spectre is holding a a mine, you know, the sort of round, spiky mm. device we're all probably used to seeing. He's holding it above the aircraft carrier, which is looks as though it's sailing across a, a really freaky black and blue sort of set of waves. It's very, mm. very interesting. Yeah. Listeners, if you haven't got a copy of issue four of the Spectre, track one down, because you really need to see this. It really is something special, and we're probably not doing the best as, as describing exactly what's going on. It is really terrific. I think it has been reprinted in the Adventure Comics Digest and also the yeah. Spectre Omnibus. Yeah. And probably showcased as well. Aye. Obviously, we're going to put some of the highlight panels on, on the socials, but mm-hmm. there's so much to see in this issue. It really is worth tracking down. So, Spectre's hovering above the aircraft carrier. He looks almost as big at it in this panel, and he's holding his mind, and he's thinking, If I'm correct, my foe wouldn't have created that ship for the planes unless he intended it as an energy supply. In the next panel, Spectre has flung the mine down towards the aircraft carrier, and with a baroom, it explodes, and a Spectre yells, Bingo! That's... Right, okay. Mm. <sighs> the next panel, we're back. Hamilton Benedict disappeared for the first time in a couple of pages, and he's calling to the spectre, saying, Looks like you need a breathing spell, spectre. Or should I say, half a spectre? Are you beginning to wonder if your other half hasn't been destroyed, as you will be shortly? The spectre thinks, Can it be? I haven't been able to communicate at all with my other self. Need a moment to think. If I can distract him... Suddenly... And the spectre seems to have gone translucent and is flying away from Hamilton. And Hamilton's saying, Idiots! You expect to escape me with a trivial disappearing act? A few energy bolts will reveal where you're hiding. Gosh, and page 19 runs out with a shot of Hamilton firing four blasts of energy that all go, Zat, 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 zat. And he cries, He's here! I know he's here! These bolts are magnetised to his being! Why are they exploding prematurely? And the first caption on page 20 then tells us, But Spectre has not disappeared. He has merely expanded the molecules of his astral image to solar system size, (laughs) making his body appear invisible. Nice work if you can get it. (laughs) Spectre is flipped into negative almost, it seems here, looking very cosmic, looking very much like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Are you thinking about Eternity yes, from I'm the Marvel think- comics? And I don't mean by Calvin Klein or, no. or whatever. I'm thinking <laughs> the big cosmic Marvel figure who appears as incarnation of the universe almost mm. in her existence. Spectre's looking very cosmic and he's thinking, He's inside me and he doesn't know it. Now, to try to communicate with my other self. Ah, there it is. Layers and layers of garbled astral communication signals. That's how he thwarted my efforts. A few moments of intense work and, however, caption for the next panel, before Spectre can complete his thoughts. And as a burst of pink energy, and Hamilton has appeared alongside the gladiator figure that we saw on the cover. Now, let me get a bit of a closer look at him here. 
gauntlets, beard, big harness type thing, big strong boots. His cape's not as clear in this panel. He's carrying, is that an axe in his right hand? Yeah, it's an axe. Yeah, and yeah, there's a whole burst of radiating lines underneath the, the Spectre Hamilton and this gladiator fellow at this point. Hamilton has interrupted the Spectre's train of thought and he says, Ha! You merely earned a swifter destruction for your theatrical efforts, Spectre. Spectre thinks, uh-oh, too late. Unless, perhaps, before he attacks... This next panel is very cleverly rendered by Neil Adams. It's almost like one of the Gil Kane atom montages that, that we've had recently. We see three stages in the Spectre being <laughs> struck by this gladiator mm-hmm. that Hamilton has created. So with a swock and a pow and a crunch, we see him being struck down. However, the caption for the final panel on page 20 says, Then at the last moment... And the Spectre's other half has appeared. And he merges with the Spectre who's down in the, the cosmic ground as the gladiator raises his axe above and Hamilton cries, No! 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 And then top of page 21, in the first panel, the Spectre has recovered enough to punch out the gladiator figure. And the boy cries, Impossible! The layers of interference are still intact! You couldn't have removed them! Layers of interference is the name of a menswear b-side. Of course, yes. Wouldn't it be nice to win a million pounds and then get menswear to record some songs that we've actually <laughs> created for them? So the next panel, the Spectre stands over the gladiator who's down on the ground and the Spectre replies to Hamilton saying, I didn't remove them. I fired an extremely tiny communications beam through the shield. It was just strong enough to get through. Hamilton flies off towards the portal saying, Good, but not good enough. If I can't destroy you, I'll destroy your world. You are only the first step anyway. Gosh. So the caption of the next panel says, Shortly, back on Earth. Yep, and that's where we are because everyone's come through the portal now. The Spectre has obviously collected his human half. Jim's trailing along behind the Spectre. Looks like Jim's sort of riding along on a meteorite. And we can see that Hamilton is up in the air, firing bursts of energy, which the Spectre is trying to counter. And the Spectre is saying, That's it, Jim. He's planning to destroy the Earth. Somehow he lives off the evil that he causes with his destruction. I don't know how long I can keep him at bay without harming the boy. Interesting. Seems like a scene missing here because they're talking about him, but we don't really know, you know... Well, they know he's being possessed by someone. Yeah, but we haven't really too much about that. The fact that Spectre's now just calling it him, that, that disjoints me slightly. Anyway, Corrigan says, Can't you blast him out of the boy somehow? So, yeah, they've, they've given a gender and a form to the evil force mm. that seemed a little bit abstract previously, but, you yes. know, this golden trail that's fallen. But anyway... Panel 4 of page 21, as the Spectre continues to blast away at Hamilton, who's flying about in the background. Spectre replies to Jim, saying, Yes, there's a way, but I may, in fact, probably will, destroy the boy in the process. But Spectre, he's going to wreck the world, the whole bloody world! I know, but, but the boy! The boy of the world, Spectre! The boy of the world! Jim cries at Spectre, and then we get a close-up of the Spectre on the final panel of this page, as Corrigan cries, The boy! Or the world. And there's a caption at the bottom of the panel saying continued on second page following. So you pass an advertisement with the United States Lawn Tennis Association. Awesome. Fascinating. And then first panel, page 22. The Spectre is flying towards Hamilton, gesturing with his hands and has a burst of golden energy all around the child as the Spectre thinks, There, that ought to hold him for the moment anyway. And that's all I need. Caption for the next panel. Summoning all the mystical might at his command, the etheric energies from a hundred non-universes, the full destructive force of non-life coalesces in one destructive display of might, prepared to be hurled down upon the head of Hamilton Benedict and his parasites. Yes, I suppose that's what's going on. 
It just looks like the Spectre's gesturing and there's some cosmic stuff going on all around him. The boy's sort of shaking as if he's being struck by it. It looks a bit tothy, isn't it? Oh, yes, very much so, huh? Yeah, yeah, Alex Toth. So, yeah, the Spectre's gesturing and all this is going on. We turn the page, top of page 23, the Spectre falters. The concussive force all around him starts to, to fade out and the Spectre says, I can't do it. I can't take the chance. I won't. The boy's in front of him. Spectre continues in the next panel. I'll pursue you through eternity and stop your destruction one way or another throughout all time and all space. And I'll wait until you leave this boy's body, but I won't harm a hair on his head to get at you. Though I sacrifice eternity, he shall not be harmed. Then, suddenly... And a grotesque... Yeah! Howling figure emanates from the body. A very drawn skeletal face. It's obviously of a man wearing some sort of robes. He hovers in front of the spectre in the next panel saying, Never in a hundred worlds have I been defeated or have I encountered good, so pure and tangible. How did you guess? How? Guess what? Ah, the greatest joke of all. You don't even know what you did. You don't understand. You'll excuse me if I return to the oblivion I was created from. There is no food for me here. No evil to sustain me. And this weird, wide-eyed, teeth-bared figure starts to dissolve up into the air in front of the spectre, fading out as he does so. Caption for the next panel. Moments later... The spectre's walking along the pavement, holding Hamilton Benedict in his arms. Corrigan's on the pavement in front of him. The spectre says, I won this one, Jim, but I don't understand how. His human half replies, I think I do, Spec. Don't you see? You're the greatest force for good on this planet. You're foe's greatest enemy. Had you destroyed the boy, you'd have committed an evil which somehow would have been the first in his, I guess you call it, his feeding process. Of course. All those other planets, that's how he did it. The greatest good. Somehow, he turned the greatest good into an ally of evil. The rest was easy. What good would I have been to Earth as a force for good if I could destroy the life of a small boy? The next panel, Hamilton starts to wake up in the Spectre's arms. And he looks up and he says, uh, Hello? Are, are you a ghost? Corrigan says, Sort of, son. But he's a good ghost. And the final panel is a shot of a smiling Hamilton Benedict looking up at the grinning spectre. And a little tiny caption tells us... The end. Gosh, the spectre really has hit the swinging 60s, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Bingo is the one that leaps out <laughs> for me there. Mm. I can't imagine any other version of the spectre that I've ever read ever talking like that. No. <laughs> Not saying it's a bad thing. No. Very interesting. I don't have too much to say. The artwork was gorgeous, mm -hmm. and it didn't feel, again, as we've said already with some of these stories, it didn't feel any really too different from what we got in any of the showcase stories, you know? Yeah. You know, someone mm -hmm. on Earth is assailed by something weird and mm -hmm. starts doing bad stuff, and then the Spectre goes on a cosmic trip and then stops them. Yep. I'm tempted to say business as usual. Yeah, quite formulaic, but it does look very dramatic. It looks phenomenal. Obviously, with this being a Neil Adams written story as well, I think there's a few early writer problems in it. And so much as a few problems that I think editorial might have actually tidied up with some captions. Right. 
things like the moment where he's talking about contact with his other half and the add in a caption about that. That yes. seems very kind of shoehorned in as if to explain it to make the plot flow a bit easier. I don't know how much of that is Neil Adams doing that and how much of that is put in by editorial mm-hmm. just to try and make the story flow better. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of sort of see what you see with some of the captioning, mm-hmm. but no more so than we've had. No. Really. And it rafted along. It didn't didn't feel like a difficult read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got through it fairly quickly. Yeah. You know, I think it had more in common, as I said, with the, the showcase issues and with what Mike Friedrich did in the previous issue with his Wildcat. Yeah. This feels like a, a kind of backward step mm-hmm. in a way. But as you say, the artwork was stunning. I mean, really, really quite moody compared to some of the, yeah. the Neil Adams stuff. A lot more black and sort of shadow and stuff sort of used. To me, it felt as if it was like the, the plot of one of the showcase stories, but trying to be hip like the Mike Friedrich one. Sure. But too shoehorned in hip. I mean, did Neil dialogue it as well? I don't know. I mean, probably did. I mean, as we said, bingo and mm-hmm. a couple of other moments where he was quite casual with what he yeah. said. Also, a few issues with how the Spectre's powers are in this. Right. Neil seems to have gone for a very sci-fi aspect with the Spectre doing force fields. And sure. With the Green Lantern bubble that he did and the Green Lantern platform that he yeah, did. Yeah, and a very realistic mine that he just whips out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, if, that was another one that had a bit of caption that uh, had yeah. a caption that did a lot of the lifting. I think that struck me was actually the child in danger puts me in mind of the covers of House of Mystery and House of Secrets that Neil was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, because they yeah. were quite often kids in danger from monsters mm-hmm. and, and the like. And that's, that's kind of put me in mind of those slightly. I mean, it's interesting that the gladiator who's given so much emphasis on the cover pops up like, <laughs> you know, three or four panels and yeah. doesn't do much apart from nope. trade a few blows. Not even a Brian Blessed line, my yeah. goodness. No dialogue or anything. And and it's interesting that the, the baddie was actually very ill-defined. I mean, the spectre works out that there's some sort of force mm. of evil that corrupts each planet in turn but you know turning the the ultimate good over to the baddies but yeah. it's that there's a slight point when they come back through the portal from being in the astral plane mm-hmm. when he's suddenly talking about him and that feels yeah. a bit like a a scene missing as if the specters found or corrigan or someone has found out a bit more one of the it's halves of the specter, it is. yeah has yeah. worked out a bit more and uh-huh. realized that this thing has a, a sentience almost mm-hmm. and it has a, a defined personality but i love the look of the the creepy guy when he eventually popped out the kid for all three panels yeah. that he's in yeah well yeah. exactly i mean if there'd been a bit more of a hint of that earlier mm-hmm. on maybe of him mm-hmm. hovering over the chair or something rather than just a the shadow sh- of it yeah 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 or the shots of the child just doing all the mm-hmm. the stuff it might have been a bit clearer but you know beyond that i, th- I thought it was fine it just it rattled along i mean it mm-hmm. wasn't a chore to read as a Neil Adams fan, it's very interesting to see that this, you know, comparatively still early point in his career, they're letting him do some writing. It's almost like they're letting the Spectre be this experimental book that they're trying different stuff out on because, yeah. hey, it's just the Spectre. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Neil also lettered it as well. I'm not sure. Because it's that actually adds into the, the style of it. The the bit where the Spectre confronts the entity in the boy and mm. basically with his speech, you know, I'll... I'll I'll wait until you leave this boy's body, but won't harm a hair in his head. Yes. He shall not be harmed, blah, 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 yes. all that bit. That's Very all dynamic. much larger yeah. uh, uh-huh. In, uh-huh. in emphasis. And you can see his fists shake at that yeah. moment. It's really, really effective. And the interesting way that the sort of chapter headings were sort of including the dialogue. Yeah. And, you know, uh-huh. the lettering was given that emphasis to sort of suggest chapter headings rather than, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of very effective stuff. Yeah. It's obvious that Neil Adams had a lot of imagination and mm-hmm. knew what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so shall we, shall we just go to the letters then? Yes, let's jump forward to issue six for Spectre Graphs. Yes. And the first letter says, Dear Editor, Spectre 4 was magnificent. Stop that kid before he wrecks the world was a rather long-winded title, <laughs> but described the story adequately. It does what it says in the tin. Mm. I've been wondering how Neil Adams would fare as a writer, and this issue answered my question perfectly. 
I suppose that, to prove my opinion, I will have to go through the same routine that every fan has to go through at one time or another, namely analysing the issue, starting with the... cover. This struck me as being rather symbolic, for I did not see that anthropoid-like Viking gladiator at any time during the story. Um... <laughs> okay. Maybe he had a couple of uh, pages missing. However, it was presented in exactly the style I like. No words are ballooned except for the title, the masthead, the DC emblem, and the comics code seal. All kidding aside, this was an excellent cover. Story. The plot content and emotional content were handled excellently. Writing is a very tricky business in that you have to put in the right amount of different flavourings, which have to blend together carefully. This recipe was followed by Neil Adams so that the product turned out to be a very tasty dish indeed. Inside art. Perfect. The forte of the entire issue was page 21, panel 6 where Mr. Adams again made use of his unique talent of shading. Equally effective was the end of the story. Hello? Are you a ghost? Sort of, son, but he's a good ghost. Miscellaneous comments. I do like a miscellaneous comment. Yes. I think they're the best kind. <laughs> That's basically half our podcast. Yep. I spotted a goof on my part. I had stated in my cover comment that the character portrayed in the cover was not in the issue. <laughs> not so. Rereading it, I find him in page 20. <laughs> I bet I'm the first boo-boo hunter that, that ever hunted for boo-boos in his own letter. Boo-boo to me. And that's from Lee Salem from Brooklyn, New York. That's fascinating. So he basically <laughs> got to the end and didn't fancy rewriting his letter. <laughs> well, he had to type it all in those days. Or or, or, yeah, hands, I mean, so you know. his whole point... You can't just point and paste. That's and quite paste. funny. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he'd written the whole thing and he would have mm. gone, oh... I have to go back and write it. That's that's hilarious. Um, but that also probably guarantees it's more likely to get printed. I suppose. <laughs> Editorial response is simply, neither Neil Adams' art nor story appears in this issue. But author Garden Fox is back and so does this. So we go to talk about issue six, which we'll get to in due course. Mm-hmm. The next letter says, Dear Editor, what made Stop That Kid <laughs> for me was the fact that the reader was given a chance to think a little and find out about the menace along with the hero. The aura of mystery in a story made the reader feel as though he were actually experiencing it. Whatever you do, always give the story from a spec's point of view. That's fair. It helps create that needed aura of mystery and suspense which fits in with the Spectre's mysterious character. And mysterious, the Astral Ace should always be. Why couldn't you have just written the Astral Ace should always be? Did Roy Thomas write this letter? (laughs) His very origin reeks with mystery, mainly because it was conceived in the days when all a writer had to say about his hero was I come from another planet and have superpowers far beyond those of ordinary mortals, or I've got a magic ring, or I'm a ghost, to explain his hero's powers. I'm glad that this villain's defeat and death were quick and final, which is as it should be. He didn't die, though, did he? he no, just he didn't die. He just left. Seemed... Yeah, that's him. Will he come back? Mm. Maybe mm. when Pete and I write our DC comic, he'll, he'll come back. Mm-hmm. On the subject of Speck himself, I felt like saying, welcome to the human race. His indecisions on page 21, his anger on page 23, and his confusion on page 24 made him seem like one of the family. Speck's dialogue was handled expertly. Mm, no. Mm, we disagree on that. Instead of having him throw a temper tantrum every other panel, I prefer to see him as the servant of man and God, rather than a conceited idiot who thinks he is omnipotent. And that's from V.O. Spites. Spates? In Ninva or Ninva, Texas. Okay, well, that was a tricky letter to read through. No mm. editorial response. So the next letter goes like this Dear editor, you guys sure know how to completely ruin a superb comic. Neil Adams' artwork is terrible, disgusting, idiotic, rotten, stinking, and downright horrible. But you didn't stop at that, did you? No, siree. You had to let him, as if his artwork isn't bad enough, script issue four. I've enjoyed the backs of cereal boxes more. 
I suggest you improve this mag fast before you lose me and a lot of other fans. And that's from Kendall Sutton, Hartford City, Indiana. Gosh, the response to that one is, we made the artistic change, but how's the next Pro Adams correspondent going to take it after what he has to say about Neil? So obviously, because Neil didn't draw this issue, I wonder, was there a massive backlash to people not like him and they, they moved him off the book? Hmm. Interesting. I mean, because I'm, I'm of the point of view Neil Adams can do no wrong, but I suppose maybe it was just a little too much for some people. I mean, what was it they say? Horrible, rotten and stinking. Yeah. I dispute that completely. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Interesting. Dear editor, the next letter, I can't see what the anti-Adams faction is beefing about. Anderson may be slick in a DC Warner Brothers way, but Adams is changing the whole concept of the comic as a series of stills taken on a very limited number of planes, and his new result is continuously active, tense, and more exciting than most of the high-quality liquid artwork that is DC's trademark. Interesting. One need only to thumb through Spectre number 4 to see the constant shift through the kinetic, the neurotic, and the frenetic. Static panels are kept to a bare minimum. There are no pauses for explication, no talkie, armchair detective denouement. Plot and action are welded together as planes shift, slight lines turn and veer, panels cut or melt into each other. Not a line is wasted in giving the effect of energy and movement, even to inanimate objects like bridges and aircraft carriers. The reader's eye is given no rest and the effect is animation. Life. I think that Neil Adams has done more for the spectre than any artist thus far. More astral power to you, Neil. And that's from Richard Prashersky. Sotuk, I think that says, New York. And the editorial response to that one is... You'll be interested in Neil Adams' comment when he saw the artwork for this issue. Grandetti should have been doing the Spectre all along, says the editor. Gosh, right, okay. Mm. Well, but we'll see when we get to Spectre mm, issue six. Well, flicking through issue six, I'm looking at it just now and I'm going, nope, I would have much preferred Neil Adams. Gosh, it's very interesting, isn't it? The anti-Neil Adams brigade. I'm really, really, really struck by the, the amount of people that don't like what Neil's doing. Is it too much of a change, do you think? Do you is think it, it was a too much of for them? just a, a one small vocal part of fandom? We know what that's like. Mm. You know, things don't change that much. Yep. To have a small vocal part, basically just trying to force their views down everyone else's yep. throats. It could well be. Neil's obviously still on board for issue five, the cover at least. Mm -hmm. But again, we'll do that one in due course. Yes, we'll be covering all the issues of the Spectre, folks, so don't worry. And we'll Absolutely. tell you all about the changes in issue six once we reach there. Gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit rattled by that because it was a straightforward enough story to rattle along, and, the, and even to our modern sensibilities, this mm -hmm. comic's more than fifty. You know, this comic's fifty-three years, more than fifty-three years old, and yeah. it looks phenomenal. It oh, holds yeah, up huh? really well mm -hmm. compared, you know, to issue six, which we'll do in due course. I, it's very odd. I can't understand the the anti. I can't get in the mindset of the anti Neil Adams brigade whatsoever at we all. We might find out more about that. Yes, and there the might be some more letters. letters. So we'll see. It. Yeah, it's very interesting. Indeed. So speaking of letters. You can write to us and tell us what you think about Neil Adams. You can email us at theearthtoothpodcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure you follow us on social media because, as ever, we put lots of bonus material up for each and every episode. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at theearthtoothpodcast. And you can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore earth2. And it's the number two for all our social media. It certainly is. Yeah, it'll be a few bits and bobs for this one going up. Gosh, I'm kind of, I'm utterly preoccupied with the with the, the anti-Neil Adams brigade that's going to keep me awake for, for days and days and days now. Anyway. Well, if, if you are awake, you can always just listen to all our previous episodes yes. which are available from, on our <laughs> website, which is theearthtoothpodcast.com. That'll send me right to sleep. That'll be lovely. <laughs> Lols. Indeed. And on that note, yes, I've been Peter. <laughs> and I've been David. And we'll see you again in due course on The, the Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Spectre thinks, uh-oh, what? <laughs>
Too late. Unless perhaps he had... Unless... Try that again. <laughs> unless I can do this line properly. <laughs> Somehow he lives off the evil that he causes with his... 